born to die that he might give eternal life that I might live Welcome to Yankee Arnold Ministries. Dr. Arnold will be with you in just a moment, but first, we want you to know how much we appreciate your prayers and financial support. You may help this radio ministry by donating online at yankeearnold.com or by mail at Yankee Arnold Ministries, 7028 West Waters Avenue, Suite 316, Tampa, Florida, 33634. Again, that's 7028 West Waters Avenue, Suite 316, Tampa, Florida, 33634. Feel free to send Dr. Arnold your questions or comments to yankee at yankeearnold.com, and he will respond as quickly as possible. Now, here is Dr. Arnold with today's message. Take your Bible and turn to the book of Acts and chapter 9, Acts chapter 9. We have been going through the book of Acts, and it's been a very interesting study. Got a lot of wonderful things in it, and hopefully you'll learn a little bit more today. We're going to talk about a man named Paul. Saul was his name as a a Hebrew name, but Paul is his Roman name, and he was a Roman citizen, also a freeborn. That's why he was able to appeal unto Caesar when he was having some court problems, and he had to defend his faith. But before he became this wonderful, great apostle that we know about, that God used to write so many of the New Testament books, he was a problem. He persecuted the church and um, put men and women and put them in prison, consenting even to their death. And as we studied The week before, about Stephen, he was there involved in that too. And the Bible says that they laid their clothes at a young man's feet, whose name was Saul. And Saul consented unto the death of Stephen. So he was not looked upon with favor from the church. But he was considered to be a a bad man. He was persecuting those that believed in Christ. Now, we have about three cases here in the book of Acts where the Apostle Paul gives his testimony. I've encouraged people over the years to always give your testimony. Tell people what you thought, what you found out, and what you did. And you may not always cover all the details in any given time. It doesn't mean that it was wrong because you covered more at one time than you did at another time. And as you tell it, you weave in the stories and so forth, but... Not all the time. Well, the Apostle Paul had that happen. And he didn't tell everything at one time. And so some people think, well, he's contradicting himself, or there's mistakes and errors in the Scriptures, and there's none. As you read it, you'll find out there's some things that happened to the Apostle Paul that many people wonder, well, when did this happen? And just what moment did Paul really get saved? And when he talks about him getting baptized. Well, was that the baptism of the Holy Spirit? Was that baptism in water? And so many get confused, but just remember this. Salvation is always a gift. It's always free. No verse tells us that we have to be water baptized in order to be saved. No man is saved because of how he lives. 
salvation is always by trusting what Christ did for us. So look there in verse 1 of chapter 9. And in book of Acts chapter 13 verse 9 it will let you see that his name was changed to Paul. And Saul was breathing out threatenings and slaughter against the disciples of the Lord. He went unto the high priest and desiring of him letters to Damascus to the synagogues that if he found any of this way whether they were men or women he might bring them bound unto Jerusalem. And as he journeyed, he came near Damascus, and suddenly there shined round about him a light from heaven. Now, we covered a little bit about this the other night when we talked about the past of the Apostle Paul. What was he like? And so we covered Scripture in the book of Galatians in chapter 1, Philippians in chapter 3, and 1 Timothy chapter 1, verses 11 through 16, and 1 Corinthians chapter 15, verse 9 and 10 just talking about the way he was and what he had done. And Paul gives his testimony in those areas that if you think you're something, he said, look who I was. Because in cases where he had to defend himself before the, the high priest, he would refer back to the times when, hey, look, I'm the one that was persecuting the people. And you know that that is true. And so um, he now is having to defend himself. But when he begins, he says, let me tell you a story. I want to tell you a story. And as you read the book of Acts, it is a story of soul winning. One story after the other that deals with how somebody got saved and where they were, what they thought of, what they did, what they found out. And it's uh, a wonderful as you weave it through and look at all the evangelistic stories in the book of Acts. It is a book of action. And he makes a statement here in verse 4, And he fell to the earth and heard a voice saying unto him, Saul, Saul, why persecutest thou me? Because see, he was persecuting the church, and the church is his body. And when you persecute the body, you're persecuting the Lord. So he says, why persecutest thou me? In verse 5, and he said, who art thou, Lord? And the Lord says, I am Jesus, whom thou persecutest. It is hard for thee to kick against the pricks. Those were sharp, pointed pieces of stakes that you would, you know, prod along some cows or whatever, and he says, I've, I've got some things I'm going to have you do. And you think that what you've had is rough? Where do you see what I've got for you? He was going to have the Apostle Paul as his leading spokesman for the sake of the gospel. He said, I am going to show you what great things you will have to suffer for my name. Now, I believe that when this was happening to him, that Paul believed on the Lord. He trusted him. That he was saved. He knew he had eternal life. It was a gift. It was not of works. As you read some of the writings, you'll find out Paul believed very strongly in a verse called, in our Bible, Ephesians 2, 8 and 9. You ever heard of that? For by grace are you saved through faith, that not of yourselves. It is the gift of God, not of works, lest any man should boast. So Paul knew, you're not saved by your works. He already knew that. He also says in the book of Titus when he wrote, he says that righteousness that we have been given, it was not by our righteousness, but by simply our faith and trust in the Lord. Here he makes a statement. In verse 6, and he trembled and astonished, said, Lord, what wilt thou have me to do? And the Lord said unto him, Arise and go into the city, and it shall be told thee what thou must do. He is going to tell him what he has to do, but he's also 
an individual that has already trusted the Lord. And the reason I say that, because you look over in verse 17, where he says, And Ananias went his way, entered into the house, put in his hands on him, said, Brother Saul. So by the time Ananias had got to Saul, he was called Brother Saul. But now, what I want you to see is what happened to him. If you look there in verse 7, And the men which journeyed with him stood speechless, hearing a voice, seeing no man. Saul arose from the earth, and when his eyes were opened, he saw no man, because he couldn't see, he was blind. But they led him by the hand and brought him into Damascus. He was there three days without sight, neither did eat nor drink. And there was a certain disciple at Damascus named Ananias, and he said, and, and to him said the Lord in a vision, Ananias. And he says, Behold, I am here, Lord. And the Lord said unto him, Arise, go into the street, which is called Straight, and inquire in the house of Judas for one called Saul of Tarsus. For behold, he prayeth. Now the Lord knows exactly where he is, knows exactly what he's doing. Well, if he knows that about this guy, don't you think God knows where you are and what you're doing? That's a scary thought, isn't it? That God always knows all these things about us. He says, now Ananias, I want you to go see this guy. Remember, Saul was a bad man. He had persecuted the church. He wrecked havoc, the Bible says in chapter 8. But notice what else he says here. In verse 12, And he, and, and hath seen in a vision a man named Ananias coming in and putting his hand on him that he may receive his sight. So he already knows in a vision, in advance, that you're going to come and you're going to lay your hands on him and he's going to be able to see. Verse 13, Ananias answered and says, Lord, I can't wait. This is wonderful. This is great. Not exactly. You see, Ananias had already heard what kind of a reputation this man had. And he wasn't eager to go. And he says, now, Lord, maybe you done made a mistake. Oh, that's in the, in the Greek. See there, he says, I have heard by many of this man how much evil he hath done to the saints at Jerusalem. Do you believe that a man can be so bad, so wicked, and that the Lord can change him just like that? God can change a person. And look what he says here in verse 14. And he hath authority from the chief priest to bind all that call on thy name. And I said, Lord, do you realize who this man is? Do you know what he has done? He is a wicked man. And he's persecuting the church. And you want me to what? In verse 15. But the Lord said unto him, go thy way, for he is a chosen vessel unto me. And get what God wanted him to do. Now, I believe that God not only wants to save you and give you eternal life and make you his child, but God has a reason, a purpose for us to live. There's something he wants us to do. That's why we study the word of God to find out what is the will of God for my life. God had something he wanted him to do specifically, and it changed his whole life. Now, we covered last week where the Apostle Paul was a, a very learned man. He was highly educated. He was above many his own equal, his own age in Jews' religion. He talks about what he had done. And all of that, he says, I counted loss for Christ. He said, it's better to be found in him, Christ, 
not having mine own righteousness, which is of the law, but that which is through the faith of Christ, the righteousness which is of God by faith. So he says here in verse 15, Go thy way, for he is a chosen vessel unto me to bear my name. Now whatever God wanted him to do, that's not for salvation. You see, we trust Christ as our Savior, and God saves us and gives us eternal life. Now as a child of God, there's many things God may want us to do. And we can be obedient, and we can be disobedient. The Bible says the gifts and calling of God are without repentance. God hasn't changed his mind. Whatever it is God wants you to do, he still wants you to do it. It's just that some people don't want to do what God wants them to do. They deny the will of God. That doesn't affect their salvation, but it does affect the plan that God had for their life. And because of that, you may suffer a lot of things in this world and be denied a lot of rewards in heaven or things about ruling and reigning with Christ, which we don't understand all that yet. But he makes a statement, this is what I want him to do. He's a chosen vessel to bear my name before the Gentiles and kings and the children of Israel. Looks like Paul was going to be able to go to everybody, to witness to anybody and everybody, to go everywhere. And that's what Paul did. But look in verse 16, for I will show him how great things he must enjoy, how much he must suffer for my name's sake. Now, you would think, well, um, this is what happened, and this is what God said, and all of it is recorded right there. That's the whole story. It's not the whole story. There's a lot of other things. Just like when Christ was here and you read the Gospels, you think, well, you got the whole story. No, you don't. It says the books of the world cannot contain everything that was said and done by Christ. Wouldn't that blow your mind? And whenever you read the Old Testament, you never find where any of the sermons that were preached by Noah or the sermons that were preached by Enoch. And yet the Bible talks about in the New Testament about Noah being a preacher of righteousness and Enoch was a preacher and talks about Christ coming back with ten thousands of his saints. Well, you don't find that back there. But you see, it is still true. But not everything is told at the same time. So when you look at a few of the other scriptures, it gives a little bit more detail. But notice what he says here in verse 17. Ananias went his way, entered into the house, and put in his hands on him, said, Brother Saul, the Lord, even Jesus. Notice the same one, the Lord, the Lord, Jesus, he is God. And he says, even Jesus that appeared unto thee in the way hast, as thou camest, hath sent me, that thou mightest receive thy sight and be filled with the Holy Ghost. So he had a responsibility to do. Now, not everybody is done the same way. When you and I get saved, we're all saved the same way by trusting Christ as our Savior. But somebody might trust the Lord in their church. Somebody else could do it in the car or listen to a radio or watching TV. You can get saved a lot of ways, but you only get saved the same way in that you trusted Christ as your Savior, and that's all. When it comes to serving the Lord, the Lord is a God of diversity. He wants all of us to serve Him, but you may do it in different ways, in different places. And there might be different ministries, different gifts. All these things, but the same Spirit is still the Lord overall. And he makes a statement here. And to be filled or be controlled by the Holy Spirit. In verse 18, And immediately there fell from his eyes as it had been scales, and his, he received sight therewith, and arose and was baptized. And when he had received meat, he was strengthened. Then was Saul certain days with the disciples which were at Damascus. 
So this is one of the stories of his testimony of how he came to know the Lord. And what did God want him to do with his life? So whenever you stop and think about how God used an individual, had done all these bad things, and uh, when he makes a statement in the book of Timothy, he says about the glorious gospel of Jesus Christ. And he says, he put me into the ministry because I was faithful. And because of that, he says, the Lord has made me an example of others who will believe on Christ to have eternal life. And he says, and this is a faithful saying and worthy of all acceptation, that Christ Jesus came into the world to save sinners of whom I am chief. And if he can save the chief, he can save all the other Indians. But if God can save this man, who was a terrible man, a wicked man, a prideful man, then God can save anybody. And so it's not because you've done too many things. I've had people tell me, I'm just too bad. God can't save me. God can save anybody. You just don't know what I've done. I had a couple of Navy SEALs, both two of them, at different times, tell me the same thing. You don't know what I've done. One man told me, he said, I've killed 52 men. And he had tears in his eyes when I was talking to him. And I explained to him the gospel, and he trusted Christ as his Savior. He said, I just didn't know that I could ever be saved because of what I've done. See, it doesn't matter what you have done or what you will do. God still loves you, and you can be saved and have eternal life and go to heaven when you die. And your life story is what God wants you to use as a testimony. Now, take your Bible and turn there to the book of, um, just so that you see this. Look in chapter 13 of the book of Acts. And look there in verse 9, where it says, Then Saul, who also is called Paul, filled with the Holy Ghost, set his eyes on him. See, he is now filled with the Holy Ghost. That means to be controlled by the Holy Spirit. It means that Paul had yielded himself to the will of God to be this chosen vessel to go into all the world and to preach the gospel. And so that's what was being done. Now take your Bible and turn to the book of Acts in chapter 22. Acts in chapter 22. And look there in verse 1. Verse 1. And it makes a statement in verse 1. Men, brethren, and fathers, hear ye my defense. So there are times when a man has to defend himself. And he is defending himself. And you'd be surprised at what he refers to so that these people that are accusing him of all kind of bad things, he says, look, I used to do those things that you're now trying to do to me. And he relates and he says, and you know that it's true. So in verse 1, he says, men, brethren, and fathers, hear ye my defense which I make now unto you. And when they heard that he spake in the Hebrew tongue to them, they kept the more silent. And he said, I am verily a man, which am a Jew, born in Tarsus, a city in Cilicia, yet brought up in this city at the feet of Gamaliel and taught according to the perfect manner of the law of the fathers, and was zealous toward God, as ye all are this day. In other words, I was just like you. I did what you did. And something happened to me. And then how are you going to tell him what he did? See there in verse 4? And I persecuted this way unto death. This way is called the Christian way. He's talking about those that believe this way. Those that did not believe in keeping the law to be saved. They believed that salvation was by grace and grace alone. And so there's a big problem. Because you see, there's always this issue. 
people that are trying to get to heaven by how good they are or going to heaven because of how good God is. One is by works and one is by grace and never the two shall meet. Grace means it's free. It's not of works. You don't earn it. Works means you have to deserve it. You have to be good. Stop being bad. Turn or burn. Wine or pine, moan or groan, baker forsake. All those things is because you're trying to earn something by your performance. Salvation is by His performance, what He did for me. He paid for my sins. If He paid for all of my sins, then I don't have one sin to pay for. If He paid for all of them, I don't have to pay for any. It means I don't have to go to hell and pay for any of my sins, regardless of how bad I have been, am, or ever will be. And that blows people's minds. They can't believe that. Because most preachers don't say that. But I say that because the Bible says that. Either I'm going to heaven or I'm not. If it is free, I can know that I'm going. If it's by my works, I'll have to wait till I die. Well, I hope I'm going. I'm trying. I'm doing the best I can. That means you're not trusting Christ and what He did for you. So look what he says here. In verse 4, And I persecuted this way unto the death, binding and delivering into prison both men and women. And also the high priest doth bear me witness in all the estate of the elders, from whom also I received letters unto the brethren, and went to Damascus to bring them which were bound unto Jerusalem for to be punished. He says, and you know it's true. And it came to pass that as I made my journey, there come nigh unto Damascus about noon. Suddenly there shone from heaven a great light, shone around me. And I fell unto the ground, and I heard a voice saying unto me, Saul, Saul, why persecutest thou me? And I answered, Who art thou, Lord? And he said unto me, I am Jesus of Nazareth, whom thou persecutest. And they that were with me saw indeed the light, and were afraid. And they heard not the voice of him that spake to me. And I said, What shall I do, Lord? And the Lord said unto me, Arise, go into Jerusalem, and there it shall be told thee of all things which are appointed for thee to do. And when I could not see for the glory of that light, being led by the hand of them that were with me, I came into Damascus. And one Ananias, a devout man, according to the law, having a good report of all the Jews which dwelt there. Boy, he's really laying it on thick, ain't he? Do you realize who this guy is? And then verse 13, came unto me and stood and said unto me, Brother Saul. So whenever Ananias got there, he was already Brother Saul. He was already a saved man. He didn't get saved afterwards. He got saved before Ananias came by. So in verse 14, and he said, The God of our fathers hath chosen thee, that thou shouldest know his will, and see that just one. The words just one is also mentioned earlier in the book of Acts. It's also referred to in the Old Testament as the Holy One, and it's a reference to Jehovah. If that don't make people mad. So the one that he saw that they knew was crucified has come back from the dead, ascended into heaven, and he appeared unto me. And he was brighter than the, the noonday sun. And it knocked me down and blinded me. And those that were with me, they heard a voice, but they couldn't understand the words that were said. And this is what happened. In other words, sometimes God may have to just hit you over the head with a two-before to get your attention. And you'd be surprised things that God can do in your personal life to shake your world up, to bring you to your knees where you will realize, 
I need the Lord. You need him whether you know it or not. And so he has a wonderful testimony, wonderful story to tell. But he's telling it to some people that want to kill him. How would you like to do that? How would you like, this morning I give my testimony and you're sitting out there with hate and vengeance in your heart and you got guns and knives and swords and as soon as I get through I know you want to chop off my head. I might want to temper what I'm saying just a tad. But Paul doesn't temper anything. He's not intimidated by anybody. This is why, because he was so bold. Why? He met the Lord. He met the Lord. And he wasn't afraid. And he says here, in verse 15, For thou shalt be his witness unto all men of what thou hast seen and heard. That word witness, you need to underline it, because it's very important. It's the explanation of the verse that follows. See, it's one thing for you to get saved and have eternal life. It's another thing to be a witness of what you've seen and heard. But whenever I, as an individual, am going to be a witness to testify of what I inwardly believe, it is the will of God that all of His children be baptized. See, when you're baptized in water, it's like a picture of Christ on the cross. But it's really a picture of you on the cross because He did it in your place. When you are buried... Under the water. That's a picture of dying. Death. Coming up out of the water is a picture of the resurrection. So you see, it's one thing for Christ to do that for me. It's another thing for me to realize. I, Yankee Arnold, I have been crucified. I have died. And I have come back again from the dead as a child of God. To live and to walk in newness of life. To live the way God wants me to live as a testimony. You see, this is the baptism that cleanses the conscience. You see, that's one thing as you read the book of Hebrews. The law does not cleanse the conscience of a man. You can believe that Christ died and paid for all of my sins and still walk around with a weight of guilt upon your shoulders. But when I understand I died, I died like I paid for all of my sins. I've come back again from the dead. And even though I'll always remember what I've done, I don't have to carry the weight of guilt. Take your Bible, hold your place right here, but look there in the book of 1 Peter and chapter 3. 1 Peter and chapter 3. It's very important that you get this, this point. 1 Peter and chapter 3. As he's talking about the flood and about the ark, he makes a statement here in verse 20, which sometimes were disobedient, the people that lived back there in that time, when once the long-suffering of God waited in the days of Noah, while the ark was preparing, wherein few, that is, eight souls were saved by water. Now, the water didn't save, but you were saved because you were in the ark. And then look what he says in verse 21. The light figure, figure, whereunto even baptism which is a figure, doth now also save us. How does baptism save us? And it makes it very clear, and puts it even in parentheses here, not the putting away of the filth of the flesh, but of a good or a clear conscience between you and God. You see, it's one thing for God to forgive me of all that I've ever done. 
It's another thing for me to forgive me for what I've done. And a lot of people, they still live their lives under that weight of guilt because of what they've done in their life. But whenever you're baptized in water, it's a picture of your death, your burial, your resurrection. The where I have accepted what Christ did for me. I have been forgiven by God, and I have forgiven me. I've got a clear conscience, so that in good conscience, I can serve the Lord, in spite of everything that I've ever done. Do you have to be baptized in water to be saved and go to heaven? Would that make the person who baptized you your Savior? There are at least five baptisms in the Bible. Which one gets you to heaven? Pastor Yankee Arnold has prepared just the right book with answers straight from the Bible. The book is called Gospel Driven Man, and Pastor Yankee wants to send it to you free of charge. Simply write to Pastor Yankee at Yankee Arnold Ministries, 7028 West Waters Avenue, Suite 316, Tampa, Florida, 33634, and request the book. Or request by email at yankee at yankeearnold.com. That's yankee at yankeearnold.com. Thanks for listening to today's broadcast. We pray that today's message was a blessing to you and your family. You may help support this radio ministry by donating online at yankeearnold.com or by mail at Yankee Arnold Ministries, 7028 West Waters Avenue, Suite 316, Tampa, Florida, 33634. Friend, one day it will happen. The trumpet will sound and we will be changed caught up to meet the Lord in the air. So live today and every day, believing that the Lord is coming soon, and just keep looking up. Amazing grace amazes me.